because there has been an emergency. To infinity and beyond. I thought my jokes were bad. The force will be with you. Always. We're just like Kevin Bacon. Welcome back to the Cinemania World Podcast. My name is Larry, and we are back for a new live show. Now, I know these have been a little bit sporadic. I hope you all understand. <laughs> we come on when we can. Uh, it's me, Dwayne. It's always Hannah, though. So, speaking of, <laughs> Hannah, how are you? Welcome back. Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. Uh, work is just absolutely nuts. So there's that constant <laughs> madness at my job right now. But, you know, it, it's all right. Okay. <laughs> work Happy is work. Pride month to you and everyone out yes. there. I don't think we've had a live show since Pride Month began, have we? Yes? No? Mm-mm. No. This is our no. first uh, show of Pride Month. Yay! Yay! Okay, we love to so... see it. <laughs> The fun times, Hannah and I, of course, we've talked about it, met over a Call Me By Your Name review. So Mm -hmm. other than that film, what are your personal top LGBTQ films? Oh, man. Um, I'd have to think. You know what? Recently, uh, I loved The Favorite because The Favorite, like, when you think about it, it's not like a Call Me By Your Name or like a Love, Simon, you know? It's not... Mm -hmm purely uh based around uh sexuality and i think you know when movies like that release it just normalizes this more um so i love that and then supernova also just recently amazing Mm -hmm. oh yeah it's another one of those films where it's just it's not about you know sexuality really um but it's just you know having these movies just be released and like happen and having these relationships not be like kind of like the center of the plot even though like movies like that are important and they have their place but you know movies like supernova and the favorite um it just normalizes these relationships and i I love that so those are two that recently for sure, and I don't think Supernova ever got like a wide release. It's such Sadly, an, no. A movie I don't think a lot of people have been able to see, which sucks because <laughs> it's so good. It's amazing, though. Yeah, it's still pretty high. I know on both of our lists for the 2021 films we saw because we both saw it early uh, before it yeah. released this year, though. Even it's though three I know for me right now. It's supposed to be a 2020 release, but I mean, mm. we had no opportunity <laughs> to watch it. We were supposed to actually see it, I think. Remember, the screener was supposed to oh, come yeah. to us at like the end of December, I think, is when we first heard about mm-hmm. it. But we didn't actually get to watch it until almost like February, I think. It was it was pretty late, a uh, few weeks before we actually <laughs> saw the movie. Because I was trying I to hold off. I think it's because they did the digital thing. Yeah, I was trying to hold off on making my best movies of 2020 list until I saw it. But I was like, you know what? This is taking too long. (laughs) So it's going to go on my 2021 list. So it's like Judas and the Black Messiah. I'm uh, keeping in 2021. But I think everybody is, right? Nobody has that 2020 list, do they? I don't think so. I I look at it as like, because if people do have like Supernova or Judas and the Black Messiah on their 2020 list, I always assume that they saw it at a festival and yeah. that's why they have it on their of that year but for people like us we watched it this year so that's why i'm like i don't see a problem in us uh calling it 2021 because it released like what wide enough for more people to see it outside of festivals and both of these in 2021 so like it became accessible to the public yeah, particularly with 2020 being such a crazy year with mm-hmm. all those movements. We were talking, because I know you saw it more recently than we did, um, even about St. Maud and what a weird yeah. situation that is. Because we got a screener for it so through early. Cinemania. 
like in June, June or July of last year. <laughs> and we were just like sitting <laughs> on all of these reviews for it because we didn't know what to do because we didn't hear anything. And then it randomly released in England in like October yeah. of last year. But then it didn't get a Hulu release in the U.S. until February of this year. So I don't Most of the world hadn't seen it yet. So I'm including on my 2021 list, even though I saw it in 2020. It didn't become available in the U.S. until 2021. So I was like, screw it. It's, it's going on this list. Otherwise, it would have been close to making my top 10 last year. So <laughs> it was in contention. Ugh, I don't know. But, oh, oh, well, there's a debate on whether Hannah's new number one is a film or what it is. Um, <laughs> Listen. But- I think it's a film because, okay, I understood the Middleton Schwartz, like, argument, and I just kind of, like, ignored your guys' argument and tried to, like, <laughs> justify it, but this one I actually do think there's an argument because it is feature length, and I don't understand why it's being marketed as a comedy special because when you watch it, it's more like a documentary of the making of the special, and it's more a musical than anything. Um, it's not like just one of his other specials where you get like a few songs, but then it's like mostly just him like standing uh, like on a stage and telling jokes. It's very much not that. So that's why I'm like, I don't understand why Netflix is trying to market it as that. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's an argument to be made that it actually is a film. Oh my gosh. Well, by the way, we're talking about Bo Burnham's inside. Yes. <laughs> the one me and Leo were like, we have zero interest. I'm sorry. It's not there. I understand that, though. If you're not, like, a fan of Bo Burnham, then I don't think anyone that isn't a fan is rushing to see this. (laughs) (laughs) But the film we both had at number one before Inside came out uh, has, like, sneaky representation, you could say. Um, Yeah. there's, There's no love story or anything, but our lead in Mitchell's vs. Machines is part of the community. And you see, I saw that like rainbow sticker early in the film on her stuff. And it's like, you, but you can never tell by that. Yeah. I mean, plenty, plenty of allies, particularly girls, I'm just going to say it, uh, in high school and stuff who put stickers on all of their things and that are allies heavily identify within the community. And so it's hard to tell there, but they make it clear at the end of the film that she has a girlfriend. So so cute um, <laughs> yes and now i do kind of love that people come for disney's throat <laughs> over the lgbtq community because they do their pride days and they release all this merch and stuff but i mean they still pussyfoot around actual representation left right and center in all of their type of properties um they had the perfect thing a movie that was over 75 percent done from Blue Sky Studios that was an LGBTQ film animated. (sighs) It was in their lap. They had almost nothing they had to do to complete and release this film. And they just tossed it. They threw it out. And I'm still upset about it. (laughs) I mean, Disney is literally the queen of queer baiting. Yes. I mean, they are. (laughs) There's like no debate about it. They do it so heavily. Queer coding and queer baiting is what Disney has like made their brand on. And that's why they have such a huge queer fan base. Yeah. And it just kind of sucks that they will not take that like extra step and move forward. But uh, it is what it is, I guess. I mean, uh. we even saw it with, you know, Love Victor staying on Hulu now and why it got moved to Hulu in the first place. Uh, because Disney yeah. was like, oh, it has, you know, mature elements. And then we watched season one of Love, Victor, and we're like, there's nothing in this that's, like, more mature than The Mandalorian. I'm yeah. sorry. It's true. The only thing that, you know, uh, differentiates the two is... Yeah, it, that's insane to me. It really Which is. Which took on some um, really heavy, serious topics in Falcon and Winter Soldier. Nothing yeah. Love, Victor takes on anything more serious than what they did there. Yeah, it's it's insane. So them <laughs> them, you know, putting LGBTQ plus people in a box of mature, it, it's very fucking weird, especially when it's like teenagers. You know? Yeah. I mm. but, I mean, Love Victor is literally on par with every other teen drama. You know, like when it comes yeah. to 
things that they do and the drama that takes place, the relationships. It's it's right in line with all of those crazy shows they would put on ABC Family, which is I'd say Disney. it's yeah, like something like The Fosters. I think it's way more tame than something like The Fosters <laughs> or like anything like that. What was I'm that sorry, was that it's one? true. What was that one Shailene Woodley was in that was on? Oh, uh, The Secret Life of American Teenager. That show is insane. It is. Oh, my God. <laughs> was that on ABC Family or where was that? Yeah, it was. And that's oh like marketing God. like to children, like teen pregnancy. Are you yeah, fucking serious? Like, there is nothing more crazy about Love, Victor than that <laughs> teenage girl show <laughs> with Shailene Woodley. Nothing. So, yeah. but Even if you Ryan, wanted to make the argument of, like, sex being involved. Fucking the teenage, the secret life, whatever the fuck. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm excited for Love, Victor season two. Comes out next week. Of course, they did it for Me Pride. Too. And, you know, once again, Disney, you know, capitalizes on that Pride in ways they can without ever taking that next step. But I really hope Loki does something with it. Oh, man. I hope all the rumors that we heard are true. I really do. Because they're releasing it in June. And I know that means nothing, really. But I'm like, oh, it would just be so cool to get that. Because that's mm -hmm. Loki. Again, I mean, people can get mad. They probably will get mad and go crazy. It's in the comics. It is right there. Loki I mean, is. I mean, it's the same thing with Deadpool, even... too. Yeah. He doesn't even really have a gender, but I mean, it's in the comics there for Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn, and people lost yeah. their minds with that animated show when they decided to go there. So they don't care. <laughs> they only care. People, these people only care about comic accuracy when it suits whatever narrative. Their agenda. Want. Yeah. And when it goes against their agenda, but it's still comic accurate, they're still outraged. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, but I can't yeah. wait for. Deadpool 3 to like go all in on his, his sexuality like Ryan Reynolds has kind of been like hinting to uh, and just have them lose their minds because Deadpool's like one of the like bigger franchises where like incels have kind of like latched onto and I'm like oh <laughs> you guys just wait. <laughs> How do you feel about the director already kind of walking back though and saying well Deadpool 3 doesn't really have to be R-rated, and if you take out all of the R-rated stuff of the previous Deadpool films, it still makes, like, they're still the same. Hmm, I don't know. I, we kind of, they kind of had that little experiment with, like, turning Deadpool PG-13 with the Christmas it thing. it was an epic fail. Yeah, and it was bad, so I'm like, why would like, you... it was not nearly as good of a movie, either. It's not yeah. even, like, the movie heavily suffered from that edit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like, it was it was very weird don't, don't understand why you know we have like proof of it not working instead yeah. of just kind of like speculation of oh it could work it's like well it didn't work so <laughs> uh, yeah so one of the things we were looking to talk about we have a couple of superhero news of course but we learned Issa Rae for Spider-Verse 2. How are you feeling about that? And tell tell our audience what that's all about. I'm so excited about this. I am just, I'm ready for Spider-Verse 2. I still have my reservations about it because um, Phil Lord isn't like heavily involved anymore with the writing. Uh, so that, that scares me a little bit. But I'm still really excited because it is Spider-Verse 2 and I love the movie, the first movie so much. And I love Issa Rae. Um, and people are speculating that she's going to be Spider-Woman. I don't know if that's confirmed or just speculation, but I would love it if that were the case. I am just, I'm so psyched. I need the movie now. <laughs> I'm so excited. Ugh. Issa Rae is one of those personalities that, if I'm being honest, I haven't loved like any of her actual films like i thought i thought one or two were okay and then the rest i'm like ugh but i just love <laughs> her and i find her as a person and her personality to be so infectious that she could make a bad movie every single year and if she's announced <laughs> to be in something i'm still going to be happy and hoping for the best and optimistic plus uh, 
I mean, it's Spider-Verse 2. Like you said, they, we could go off the rails here, which, ugh, mm-hmm. I mean, Sony, let's not pretend like they don't have a track, a track record, record of going <laughs> off the rails. Um, but I just, I'm so excited for it anyway, and I, I'm excited that she's going to be a part of it. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> but then Oscar also- Isaac and her. Oh Oscar, yeah. The talent coming up on this is too good. To not be hyped, you know? Exactly. But speaking of a Spider-Man link, Sam Raimi rewriting Multiverse of Madness. Let us know about that, Hannah. All right. So it came out recently that Sam Raimi rewrote the movie entirely uh, so, you know, he can make his vision. And people are mad about it. (laughs) And it... It's very weird that people are mad about this because I'm like, you guys always like, you know, scream about like uh, free creative, um, free creativity. And then when directors actually get it, you guys are like, no, that's too much. Um, So I'm like, I don't understand what you guys wanted because him taking Scott Derrickson's script would be weird, especially when Disney and him already had like creative issues over it. So I'm like, what? What was he supposed to do in this situation? Or what would you have wanted out of this situation that you think would have been better than him just rewriting the script for his movie? Very yeah. weird. It It is very weird. And it just goes back to, I feel like we talked about this a little bit with the Eternals trailer. And now we have this at both Marvel properties. We hear about a director taking over What's more control on? and oh, trying... Oh, <laughs> that was my grandpa. He scared me. Oh, <laughs> like what? And I just got ran up on oh in my the middle God. of the ship. Cinemania uh, <laughs> uh, oh, featuring my grandpa. <laughs> I thought we were about to get Cinemania featuring the kidnapping of Hannah. Like what in the world? <laughs> I just heard somebody come up on you. Um, oh ooh. my God! But uh, Marvel fans, are just, they just don't know what they want. Like they're yeah. constantly, people are just screaming for more director control. That Marvel sucks all creative vision away from their directors, and uh, blah 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 blah. But then we get Chloe Zhao coming out with a film that looks just like a Chloe Zhao film in every aesthetic possible, and people are crying that it's ugly and that it's too dark and muted and blah 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 blah. Which, if you've ever seen a Chloe film this is right in line with how she shoots her movies. So I'm, <laughs> I don't really know what people were expecting from her aesthetic. Cause that's it. And then <laughs> we learn about this with Sam Raimi and people are upset again. And it's like, well, you keep crying that they don't let people have control. And this, and Chloe, even outside of this has said she had no problems. Like Kevin Feige and yeah. Marvel, didn't step in her way really like she was able to do what she wanted and make the movie she wanted to make and now sam raimi is saying look i took control to make the film i want to make and people are mad so what do you want Uh, especially when you you, do you remember when he was announced as the director of multiverse of madness people were like oh marvel's gonna put him in a box he's not gonna be able to like (laughs) be sam raimi and make a sam raimi film and like now like it's confirmed that he's making a Sam Raimi film and people are still like, no, I'm like, uh, well, what, what do you want? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah. I mean, that's, Oh God. I don't know. Maybe people just have like a bad taste in their mouth from what Spider-Man three or something. And it's like, listen, that was not his fault at all. Like yeah. that was the studio completely ruining his, that film. was actual like studio interference. Yeah. Like, horrible studio interference. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've seen it over and over with Sony, so, you know. But, I don't know. People are just nuts. I'm still really hyped for Multiverse of Madness. And Me too. if Sam Raimi is taking control over it, I just think that means it's probably going to be even more weird. And I'm on board with more weird. So, hopefully Raimi takes it to a crazy place. A weird... <laughs> out there universe i'm just excited for a new sam raimi movie like more than i am excited for a new doctor strange movie you know what i mean because he hasn't made a movie in a long time (laughs) and i love sam raimi so (laughs) 
yeah it's been a yeah it's been a while so hopefully it's good i tend to also just kind of have faith in marvel until they prove me wrong and yeah they've had a couple missteps but overall i think no no like epic fails yeah they they put out solid to great content uh so i'm pumped (laughs) yeah (laughs) well you know what people were not pumped about speaking of both marvel and spider-man Y'all got your hopes up again. We were talking about <laughs> Tom Holland's birthday and all this noise and all this mess. And we're left crying on the floor yet again when no trailer came out for No Way Home this week. Y'all, I knew it. I knew there was no trailer. I, I know. I'm birthday. like, why did you guys think it was going to happen in the first place? I saw people running with, oh, yeah, it's going to play in front of Peter Rabbit, too. I'm like, in what world is, like, Spider-Man <laughs> No Way Home going to play in front of Peter Rabbit, too? Like, are you serious? <laughs> Like, if anything, I'll expect it maybe around Black Widow for Black, like, uh, if anything. Yeah. That's that's where I would expect this trailer to come. Yeah, I do think we should be getting it soon, but the trend overall has been later and later marketing just across the board. We're getting trailers yeah. for movies that are coming out in weeks in some cases <laughs> with, like, top, you know, top name talents, not like they're not marketable. Um and even Marvel, we just got a first like little tease for Eternals for the first time just now. Shang-Chi releases in a couple months, and we just got that first trailer within the past month. Shang-Chi so... releases at the end of the summer, and we're in the beginning of the summer, and we just <laughs> got the like teaser. Yeah. It's insane. So, honestly, I know Spider-Man is a little bit more bankable than those shoes, and the hype is probably higher for Spider-Man overall, obviously, than mm-hmm. Eternals and Shang-Chi. So, they probably want to kind of build that up a little bit more. But, yeah, I mean, I'm not really shocked that it's taken this long to get a trailer for that. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be <laughs> honest. So, yeah. and I did not expect it for his birthday. See, people got yeah. that Simu, that whole situation got people messed up in their head, thinking that now it's birthday time for all the trailers or something. I'm not sure. <laughs> but <laughs> our boy Tom uh, kicked off Pride Month by turning 25, and that was it. That was the big event, and <laughs> the only big event of the day. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll get it soon, though. I do. I think it's coming. Like I said, I'm expecting I'm expecting Black Widow ish, because if I'm being honest, I do think Black Widow itself needs a boost and needs Mm -hmm. some more hype added. And I think a Spider-Man trailer would help at least with that, get Marvel people hyped. And if the trailer's great and they debut it right before Black Widow, I know only hardcore fans are like this. Like, I'm not saying general people are going to do this, but you just kind of want to see that trailer on the big screen, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I was like that for June. That was like one of the big things with Tenet was like, oh my God, I want to see the June trailer in front of Tenet so I could see it in a theater. <laughs> and so Far From Home slap, I mean, No Way Home, my bad, slaps, then I'll be hyped to be like, okay, let me at least see this trailer before Black Widow. You know, I could actually even see the trailer coming out like, a little bit before Shang-Chi. I think yeah. that Eternals might go in front of Black Widow and then we might have to wait a little bit longer mm-hmm. for the No Way Home and they'll do it in front of Shang-Chi. Not saying that we'll get the trailer in September. I think that we'll get it before September, but I think that we might get it after Black Widow because Eternals is um, going to be in front of Black Widow. Well, we were talking about Eternals and we mentioned Dune or I mentioned Dune. So let's go ahead and talk about cans because there is a space setting blockbuster just kind of lingering there. And all the speculation pretty much has been around those two on which one will take I, that spot at cans. I think that, I don't know if this is um, for sure what it was, but I saw some people say that the blockbuster was still water. Oh. Yeah. I think that just People some... about to be so sad because yeah. I saw so much speculation ever since that lineup was released. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where it came from that it was like a space sci-fi. Um, but yeah, when they announced all the movies, the only blockbuster, like, I guess, I guess movie that had the chance to be a blockbuster was Stillwater with Matt Damon. So 
I don't. Was, I think it I was just. Know. I think it was just like an extra report that they were still working. Mm-hmm. Um, on this like blockbuster. So who knows? But otherwise, the big event obviously was the latest from Wes Anderson, which Yay! I know we have been so hyped about. And oh my god, waiting. we got that trailer so long ago. Oh god, <laughs> it's just is like I can't believe it's it's finally happening. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Are we actually going to get to see this freaking film? At Cannes, well, I don't, I don't when know. When did that trailer release? It was Wait. like before the pandemic, right? Yes. Is Cannes doing virtual at all, or are they just? I believe so. Oh, I'll be so sad if I cannot watch the French a year much, ago. I will die. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so yes, the French French Dispatch was one of the big headliners, as well as Annette by Leo Karoax, and that stars Adam Driver and Marion Cotillard. Then we had Red Rocket, the new Sean Baker film that I know lots of people are excited about. So, Hannah, what were some of your standouts amongst this lineup? Uh, Yeah, I'm just... I want to see the French Dispatch yeah. so bad. <laughs> uh- <laughs> I'm laser-focused on French Dispatch. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's because we've had the trailer for so long. So all of us have just kind of been, like, waiting, and uh, it got pushed back, and then we're like, oh, damn. Like, <laughs> we're going to wait so yeah. long for this. Um, but, yeah, the Sean Baker movie, I don't know. I I like Sean Baker, but then I'm like, I think that him as a person kind of turns me off from his movies. Uh, oh, I guess I, I hadn't heard. It's not. It's not like he's like done anything like oh, bad. Oh, I was like, oh my gosh, um, I didn't even know. <laughs> um, Sean Baker's the guy who did uh the Angeline. the hotel movie. What's it called? Oh, sorry. No, um, I, I. What's what's the other one? Uh, Willem Dafoe's in it. The, oh, uh, Florida Project. Yeah, the Florida Project. He's sorry, the one who did I was that, like, right? what hotel movie? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, it's a motel, first of all, Hannah. Oh, I'm got sorry. Me, I'm got sorry. me thinking crazy. I'm like, hotel. And then it's like, it's like a long stay. Yes, he was the one who did. The okay, okay. Then I'm, then I'm right when saying this. He, like, he ran this whole, like, campaign for a while. He's like, digital's awful. You should only film on film. And it's like, <laughs> it's very pretentious and weird. Um, so that was, that was odd. Uh, <laughs> so now when I think of him, that's all I think about. It's just that weird ass like tangent he went on, but um I don't know with like these film the film festival movies I never really like know what they are until other people see them or I see them uh so it's hard to kind of say like oh this is what I'm excited for um so yeah I I just say the French Dispatch right now and then once you know people see these movies. And then we get, like, uh, people's reactions to them. Then I'll definitely be able to, like, pick which ones I'm excited to see. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm definitely excited to, to be getting back. I do. I'm, I'm looking here. So it says vaccination is not mandatory, but testing is. So spectators can either present a vaccination certificate or a negative test to access. Um the validity of the pass is acquired. I'm just, yeah, I'm just trying to see. I don't see anything about virtual or not. I really, really hope it's virtual. Yeah. Um, it says screenings will operate at 100% capacity, but masks will be required. So maybe they're not. If mm. they're doing their screenings at 100% capacity. Yeah, that's um, crazy. That's, Especially I mean, when oh, you okay. think about how Sundance is still doing uh, virtual so next well. year. Like, yeah, they, the model did so well that, yeah, they decided to return to that model. And I mean, this is definitely a problem with film elitism, you know, when it comes to cinema and these festivals. Before, <laughs> I understand that there's piracy issues that you get scared of, but especially when it comes to something like cans who has the chance to go 
You know, right, like unless yeah. you are so wealthy, you can't afford to fly over there. You can't afford to stay there and then afford the tickets to go. And Sundance is, is much more affordable even than most, you know, more than that. And mm-hmm. it was just so nice to have the opportunity to, even if it's virtual, you're not getting the same experience, but to get to attend Sundance for once, you know? Yeah. And, you know, it's like when you offer the virtual option, then, you know, a lot more people with maybe like disabilities and like mm-hmm. stuff like that are able to experience these movies. So I, I think that it, kind of putting a model like the virtual or in-person thing in place should be implemented like at every festival at this point mm-hmm. because of just like how well it went and, you know, how many more people got to actually, you know, experience a film festival. Um, so, yeah. I mean, because, you know, we, we don't like to acknowledge or talk about it, but it does kind of suck when you're in this film space. I mean, you get hyped too, but especially when it's just because you don't have the resources to attend these things and you're yeah. seeing all these people around you on film Twitter or wherever they are posting about these movies, you know, it, it, it does kind of suck when it's, you're not really in control of the fact that you can't go. It's just, you don't have the resources. And I know a lot of people who even, you know, get press to the events and they have to go fundraise or they can't go either. You know, if they're yeah. not able to get grants or they're not able to earn enough off of um, fundraising, independently they can't attend because they still can't you know afford the flight and afford the accommodations and afford to take off of work for (laughs) two weeks or whatever to go fly out there um because most most film press that's not their only job you can't it's (laughs) most people have like (laughs) another gig that they're doing in addition to whatever film related press they're doing so i don't know i think it's just a good way to really break down that elitist barrier you're still gonna have to pay you know it's still gonna be what 20 25 maybe 30 dollars for a movie which is more than you would pay to go to your local cinema but that's a heck of a lot better than thousands of dollars yeah. that you would have had to pay to see the movie. You know? <laughs> and um, you can, you know, pick and choose the movies that you want to see. And, you know, when you have the time to watch the movies, like with Sundance um, this year, you got to choose your time slots and stuff like that. So even if you did have work, I know like Dwayne, he definitely struggled mm-hmm. with, you know, <laughs> um, having them, work and wanting to watch limited. the movies. Yeah, so. some of them had more limited times. Like, I know he missed one uh, that he had yeah. asked for. He missed it because of work uh, didn't allow. And there's weird, like, glitches. Like, if you start it, you only have so much time to get through it and finish it. Uh, so, you know, there are drawbacks for sure when it comes to the, the virtual stuff, too. But you know, yeah, you could still go to work during the day, come home and watch a film screening from Cannes Film Festival. Like, I don't, it I, it almost seems like a no-brainer to me. I think the software has come far enough. And I think that that was evident at Sundance. I don't think there was a big piracy issue at Sundance. Um, no. We would have heard about it, you know? <laughs> yeah. So a lot I don't of think these... they'd be implementing this no. next year either if there was. So. Or like studios wouldn't be willing to bring their films to yeah. the festivals anymore if there was this huge piracy issue. But they've they've gotten so good over the past year, certainly, with anti-piracy technology on these screeners that... I don't know. I hope I hope it is and I hope other film festivals moving forward implement this because you're still going to have plenty of people who want to go to the festival itself. Just because you offer screenings online and the virtual uh, opportunity, that's not going to matter. I promise. Uh, <laughs> everybody <laughs> who wants to attend these film festivals in person is still going to go. All of the, all of the big movie people are still going to go. Like once Denver Film Festival opens back up, you know, and I can go, I'm gonna be back in that theater. You know, <laughs> it was good. Yeah. I loved, I loved to get the chance at least to watch something like Minari last year at the Denver Film Festival. But if I had the chance, I would have been in that movie theater. You know, yeah. To watch it instead. So that's just my two cents. <laughs> my five, <laughs> ten, a million cents as I drag on and on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
But would you pay like 30 bucks to watch The French Dispatch? I think so. I'd pay 30 bucks to watch The French Dispatch. I'd pay 30 bucks to watch Dune. Um, I wouldn't want, I wouldn't pay for 30 for all of them, but for movies like that, I would definitely would. And they definitely do a, a, like scale, right? Like I think Sundance did a scale. So like the big ones, Mm -hmm. like the French Dispatch, or in this case, Judas and the Black Messiah, I think were a little bit more. And then the smaller films, I think had a, had a cheaper ticket price. So yeah. I guess we shall see. But another big casting news that came out this week, Jonathan Majors, Creed 3. So obviously we're switching things up a little bit, uh, switching directors. So are you still hyped for Creed 3? Yes. Um, I, you know, the thing with this franchise switching directors that doesn't like scare me or bother me is because it's not like the studio just goes out and gets whoever, right? It seems like these are people that Ryan Coogler kind of like handpicked and trust with, you know, the franchise that he created. So with that in mind and knowing that uh, Stephen Cable Jr., a director I didn't, I haven't heard of before, before uh, Creed 2 did such a great job of that movie. I'm, I have a lot of faith in Michael B. Jordan. Um, but Jonathan Majors coming on makes me even more excited because I love Jonathan Majors and I'm just, I'm so, I'm so happy for him to see him getting like these like huge franchise movies. Um, so yeah, I'm psyched. Yeah. So I know a lot of people, now the speculation begins, will he or won't he be related (laughs) to a long lost Rocky villain? (laughs) What are your thoughts there, (laughs) Hannah? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't mind. (laughs) I know. Yeah, I'm fine with it. I know a lot of people are like, oh, it's corny. And I'm like, oh, I don't really care. Because <laughs> the, the Creed movies aren't really about, like, the opponents. It's, I'd say less so than the Rocky movies. Um, I mean, that's why the first Creed movie is in my, like, top ten favorite movies of all time. Uh, you don't really give a shit about, like, the villains at all. Uh, I, I can't even tell you their names. And I've seen the movie a thousand times. But the movie's not, like, about that. Uh, and I don't think Creed 2 is either. So... Oh my. Well, mm-hmm. I just know I'm hyped for anything Jonathan Majors gets his hands on. He's so talented. Yeah. And uh I think at this point, yeah, he should be breaking into that next level of stardom. So if we can get him into big projects like this, I am on board. <laughs> he deserves it. Yes, especially with all of the the non love for Lovecraft Country. Just just makes me sad. But I know. still need to watch it. <laughs> I just well another person who was in my like hottest actor (laughs) uh, which Jonathan Majors was in he he didn't get much love though I voted for Jonathan Majors I mean he did have (laughs) to go against Chris Hemsworth so it was it was a tough it was a tough battle (laughs) but another person who was in there another person that Hannah voted against we have (laughs) Zachary Levi with Shazam uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he also had a Wait, tough task who did i vote for against zachary levi tom holland tom holland yeah okay i made the right decision it was a tough first round tough first round yeah. uh but <laughs> zachary levi first i guess this is the first right that we've seen yeah, from this the, set. the first look yeah. yeah like a first look of him in this suit and then i think in response to the leak was it a leak or was it an official picture it wasn't an official picture. It was yeah. just like a set photo. And I think in response to the leak, they released that little stinger of uh, like his costume. I don't even mm-hmm. think he was in it because they didn't even show Zachary Levi's face. <laughs> so I think they literally were just like, oh shit. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I think they're doing like, they keep doing this for like upcoming DC movies, like camera tests. Um, mm. They did one for the Batman, Birds of Prey, this, um, Joker. So I think this is going to become like a thing now. So what do you think? Improvement or downgrade when it comes to the Shazam suit? I'm going to be completely honest right now. And I always say this about costumes. I really don't care because <laughs> listen, because they don't really have like any impact on the film. Right. I mean, it's just a costume. And when you're watching it, it like may bother you. But I don't think that, you know, impacts like the story or the direction in any way. It's just a costume. So, I, you know, I, I just, 
Mm. It doesn't. I don't care unless it's like Batman. Then I guess I'll have an opinion because I think that Batman can be like interpreted in so many ways, and we've seen it happen. Uh, you know, the costumes just being like so different, and even then, I, I don't really like really care um, about how they look in their film. It's like it's not going to take anything away for me. Uh, like I think the Batfleck suit looks dumb, like almost all the time in BBS and uh, Justice League and Snyder Cut. But I don't like go to sit down and write my review, and I'm like, oh, the suit is stupid. You know, like I don't care. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, it's hard for me to have an opinion on a superhero suit. I'm sorry. I think it looks good. I think he looks good. <laughs> yeah, I think I like it a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just is a little I mean they're pretty similar they didn't do this huge dramatic change to you know Shazam's suit. it's not like a birds of prey change yeah it just looks more textured to me um maybe more practical less like yeah, cartoony. A little, it's, it's a little less puffed up uh, mm-hmm. or on him and it doesn't have a cape which I, I like capes so I don't really mind a nice white cape but I just didn't love the lining at the top like the little hood thing at mm. the top of shazam suit eh, i could do without that but yeah i think overall it's for me it's an upgrade i think it looks better than the first one but i i like the first one too so uh yeah me I'm, too I, there was I'm like a big commotion about that way. suit do you remember that <laughs> yeah i mean people have big commotions about literally anything that ever is released prior to a superhero movie coming out yeah. so <laughs> <laughs> I just remember people being like, oh, it's too padded. And I'm like, who gives a shit? Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, I love him. And I am still all about that Chris Hemsworth life, but not everybody can be Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> yeah. Not, not everybody can just pack on muscle <laughs> to this absorbent, <laughs> insane amount. I mean, he is so big right now. It's it's kind of like when people have these expectations for actors to like get like that huge. It's kind of like body shaming in a way, you no, know, yeah. especially with Robert Pattinson, like the whole commotion about him, you know, not being as bit as big as Ben Affleck. I'm like, that's just his body though. Like you, when you look at Robert Pattinson and Ben Affleck before they both like started training for Batman, there was no world where Robert Pattinson was going to get as big as Ben Affleck. I'm sorry. Yeah. People's bodies are different. You can't hold like two different people to the same expectations. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, with a Zachary Levi, if you wanted to compare him to Chris Emsworth, they're two different people. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, even if we go and find Chris Hemsworth back when he was on, like, the Australian TV shows, he was about, I would say, kind of like bodybuild of his brother. Because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Liam isn't huge. Liam is in he's shape. He's still very fit, sure. though. He's yeah. very fit and he's in shape. And that, that's kind of where Chris Hemsworth was when he was at his smallest or even like Cabin in the Woods. He was very yeah. in shape. You know, he wasn't huge. But go back and look at Chuck. And what Zachary yeah. Levi was, <laughs> was scrawny in Chuck. Like, I mean, he was a skinny, skinny dude. <laughs> and he's in great shape now. I mean, we see the videos or whatever of, of Zachary Levi doing his thing, working out or whatever. He looks great. But yeah. he's just not... Those dimensions of that first suit of what they wanted were nuts. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> so they have to pad it. And I agree. We need to stop with these bigger superheroes even someone like a superman yeah henry cavill is that big but if the next actor they cast is great and he can't he's not gonna get as huge as henry cavill oh well if he's great in the role he's great in the role and zachary levi is a perfect shazam like that first film he embodied the character oh man it's just so lovable that's like one of my favorite I, no one ever, like, brings him up in kind of, like, perfect superhero casting. Um, and that makes me sad because he's one of the people that I immediately think of when I think of, like, perfect superhero casting. Because he's just, like, so lovable and just, that movie is just so, like, heartwarming. I love that movie. <laughs> yeah, I so, uh, I don't fault, uh, I don't fault Zach for whatever it is we're looking at. Oh, wait, what is this? Breaking news here. 
sorry, I've just looked in our little <laughs> chat uh, from Twitter and the Cinemania World page. Make sure you're following along to get all of the latest breaking news in film. But a sequel to Cruella is in the works with Yay! Emma Stone, director <laughs> Craig Gillespie, and screenwriter Tony McNamara set to return. And this coming from The Hollywood Reporter breaking the news first. So thoughts on that hannah you you're hyped obviously (laughs) (laughs) yay i'm so happy i loved corella so much um and we literally talked about this in our review about how badly we wanted a sequel so for the movie to do so well by the way i'm just so happy the movie did well uh uh, we kind of knew it would but um you know it's always that gamble that it may not uh but to do so well and for people to you know respond so positively to it and for it to get greenlit for a sequel i'm just uh i kind of i wanted them to maybe get a new director but i'm fine with craig gillespie staying uh, <laughs> i i was hoping for a female director that's it's yeah. what i'll say um here's my thing is they're gonna have to find someone to play off of emma stone as well as emma thompson that like is true. They, I mean, she could come back theoretically. Spoiler: uh, she could come back. I'll say that. <laughs> yeah. I'll leave it at that. I won't go for too far into spoilers. But uh, Emma Thompson was such a force in that film, and like so good that they're gonna. We need Insane. that same energy to play off of Emma Stone because <laughs> she's great too. I'm not <laughs> saying that. I mean, they are both amazing, and they play off of each other so well. Um. So how do you feel? Because this is the next kind of discussion and debate on if this is actually a prequel or if it's just reimagining of the character. I think it's a reimagining. Uh, if it was a prequel, then I don't think we would have seen her as like actual Cruella in the first movie. Because I, th- I think about like 75% of the movie. Story. Yeah, I think about 75% of the movie she's Cruella. Uh, so for to call it a prequel i think would have to be the other way around so yeah definitely a a origin new origin i just don't think it's that case of i don't think we can get where emma stone is at the end of this film to the start of any of the adaptations of 101 dalmatians Mm -hmm. reasonably yeah you know like it's just not the same Cruella DeVille to me. So that that's why I think it's de- it should be seen as a reimagining because, I mean, this one has a dog. She kind of, spoiler alert, she kind of adopts Dalmatians by the end and is sending them as gifts. So I don't see how we get from that to, oh, look at these adorable puppies that I want to make into a coat. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, for the better in 2021. Uh- <laughs> I don't think anyone really wants to see, you know, live action, like someone killing puppies. I'm sorry. Uh, I know 101 Dimensions is like beloved, but in live action, it's going to translate differently. Um, And also we're in a different time. (laughs) So I think it's for the better. Well, it just doesn't. I mean, parts of that just don't make sense because she's just like so taken aback by these Dalmatians when she first sees them. Like, and it's what gives her inspiration for her her designs, you know, in Mm -hmm. in the original film. And then she wants the puppies because their fur is softer. So they'll make a softer coat. (laughs) Um, But that doesn't make sense if she's had all of this experience with dalmatians in her life already why does she have this big epiphany when she sees this family and all their little dalmatians (laughs) like it's like uh okay corella apparently has amnesia or she gets into a car accident and loses her memory i don't know um (laughs) and even her relationship with uh horace and such uh again i don't know how we get from where we are at the end of corella I don't think Horace would be down with her doing that. No. And and literally treating them like trash. Like just nothing people sidekicks. I think they would leave. Mm. The the ones we saw in this adaptation will leave her ass, you know? (laughs) For sure. They did not hesitate when she started being like insane. (laughs) So it has to be a reimagining. I just don't think we can get from the end of this movie to the beginning of 101 Dalmatians and not be just ridiculous. Like it would just be a complete foolery to me i couldn't handle it (laughs) (laughs) and i think that's 
for the better with these yeah. live action remakes because when you say remake, I want it to be different from the first, like to justify it being remade. Not so yeah, the Lion King, I, I'm a little nicer to it than most people, but it's still like a shot for shot remake of the animated film. And there's just no like justification as yeah. to why they made it. Uh, even with like the jungle book, there's enough like uh, the differences yeah. in it they actually that, make yeah. a little bit less annoying in the new one yeah uh that justify its uh existence uh but you know with with them doing that they can't also spit in the face of the, yeah. <laughs> the yeah. original like mulan uh so there, there's a good happy medium i think Corella found the happy medium yeah even to some extent like a Maleficent is where you take away all of the teeth mm-hmm. of the villain, you know? So this one, they, they made her more sympathetic, but they still kept her in the realm of crazy. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. They kept her in the, in that realm of she's not good for sure. Whereas Maleficent, they turn her into a mom, you know, like she's yeah. a mother figure to the, to the woman she cursed for her, <laughs> rest of her life. And Maleficent is one of the most iconic, just straight up, evil presence mm-hmm. of there so you know all right Hannah, sits you... in kind of like a harley quinn place i think yeah yeah a, 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 almost an anti-hero you know mm-hmm. we, yeah. you, and that's the key here is once again going back to emma thompson if we're going to keep her as this type of anti-hero atmosphere we have to have somebody worse than her for her to go up exactly and emma thompson did that in this movie and we have to have somebody just as bad and like (laughs) crazy person (laughs) in the next one otherwise we're gonna be like corella what you doing girl uh (laughs) what you doing running around here girl i don't know (laughs) any other movie or tv news you wanted to talk about uh was there hold on let let me check my notes let me check my notes uh that's like There's been a lot that we kind of haven't gotten to talk about because we've been doing the show so sporadically. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, I wanted to talk about this rumor going around <laughs> that Warner Bros. hates the Batman. <laughs> Natu- naturally, you had to you had to get on that one, huh, Hannah? Yeah. So tell, um... tell us about this rumor. <laughs> so. There's just no... I Twitter sees this. It's been happening ever since Robert Pattinson was cast <laughs> as Batman. Like, they make up these insane rumors about this movie because they're just so mad that Robert Pattinson is Batman. So this has been happening for a while now, and this is just, like, the newest one. But it seems like they've clung to this one more than the others. Um, the last one that we got was Zoe Kravitz and him having sex on the Batmobile. <laughs> What? Um, did you not hear about that? Oh my no. god! When I tell you these rumors are fucking insane because people just don't like Robert Pattinson. I mean, they're insane, honestly, Larry. I mean, maybe it's a little uncouth. I'm like, but what if they did? Right? And then what? Like, <laughs> what a weird thing! To like, spread. they should be allowed to do that. I'm sorry. Right. Uh, <laughs> okay. And your point was what? but anyway uh so this comes from we got this cover the most reliable of sources of course Uh, (laughs) and it's just them saying that warner bros is unhappy with the batman and that they're gonna delay it again and i'm like "Mm, there's no validity to this at all i don't know why twitter continues to run with these things and why they just continue to like make these like hate campaigns towards Robert Pattinson like he he truly can't win with these like Batman weirdos <laughs> I am so <laughs> over it I really am I I just need this movie to come out already so that they can like shut up <laughs> oh my gosh yeah people what and if WB does hate it then that means it's probably great right that's what a lot right. of people are saying too <laughs> I mean, the only thing is if WB hates it and then goes and meddles, then we have a problem. But uh, yeah, I mean, but- I guess if they if they actually delayed the film like these people are trying to say, then they probably would meddle. But I just don't believe it. Yeah, and even then, it's like we've got no signs from Warner Bros. that they are like not confident in this film. Like even with you know before we got a look at the Batman, they had Matt Reeves doing panels for it. Um, we got a trailer when twenty five percent of it was done. Like 
if anything, Warner Bros. has shown nothing but confidence with this movie. So I, I don't understand that. Um, but also, we did have a question from Leo. Okay. Uh, <laughs> he wanted yeah. to know, on a scale of 1 to 10, how hyped are we for Loki? I am probably at, like, a 9. I am pretty hyped <laughs> for Loki. <laughs> Especially because uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier fell in that place of I liked it, I didn't. It just, I didn't love it like I loved WandaVision, and that's just personal, yeah. personal taste for me. And no, me too. I think I think Loki is going back to, you know, more... F- I, I like the fantastical stuff. What can I say? When it comes so to my I. superheroes, I like them to be super. I like crazy stuff. I want to see weird stuff on my screen. And I think Loki's going to give me just that. So I'm hyped. I thought the marketing and the trailers have been awesome. So, yes, please. Yes. If anything, like from upcoming Marvel things, seems like my ish. It's definitely Loki. Uh, <laughs> so I'm like on a ten right now for how excited I am. Ooh. I I always talk about how I like just like weird, like out of the box, like insane things, and this seems exactly that because it's not like a WandaVision where it's from at least from the trailers it doesn't seem like we're gonna have like a like start and end story really it just seems like these like crazy kind of like fantastical like adventures that loki goes on to fix something so rumor that it's gonna have a huge impact on the multiverse which is insane because so far So far, these Marvel shows haven't really made an impact on the MCU overall. Even with WandaVision, there's a lot that happened with WandaVision, but it doesn't like immediately impact the MCU as a whole. Uh, just kind of Wanda's story. Um, and with Falcon Winter Soldier, we the only thing that's really going to impact the MCU going forward is the change of Captain America. So nothing huge. So them saying that this show will have a huge impact on, you know, what seems like the next phase is going to be purely focused on. That's huge. Yeah. Which makes me more excited. I mean, I hope people keep their, everybody keep your expectations in check again, Um, (laughs) please. But yeah, um, I'm still hyped. Even if it doesn't have a huge impact on the MCU and they're just kind of talking for hype. Um, I'm still really excited. Even if it's just Loki running around and fixing problems. <laughs> I'd be so into that. <laughs> I'm on board. Uh, Luke Wilson looks... Uh, it's it's going to be great. Okay, I'm, uh, oh, by the way, oh, I'm oh, so oh, excited for bad. Owen Wilson. Yeah, I'm so excited. Yeah. Oh my god. Every single time they've showed him in a trailer, I'm like, I need more. I want more. I like... <laughs> I love Owen Wilson. I'm so excited for her. Yes. It's her, oh right? That's in there. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I just love her so much. I hope she has something fun to do, but if not, I just relish it. It looks like she her. does. From, from the <laughs> well, trailers. Oh. And then, with uh, speaking of Chris Hemsworth's ginormous body uh, picture, <laughs> uh, Thor uh, finished wrapped filming. Um, so he posted a picture of him and Taika on set. So that also took place. Are you, Psyched. Are you I mean, hyped? I just love Taika Waititi. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love his films. I think that Thor Ragnarok is just such a blast. And for him to be writing this film makes me even more excited. Uh, because he he's shown that he's able to have this like ridiculous comedy while also like having such a strong emotional core to his films. So uh, him writing this makes me super excited with knowing that Natalie Portman's involved and that they are going to do the Jane Foster cancer storyline. So I'm very, I'm very curious to, uh, is what I should say about this film. I'm really excited, but I'm very curious because um, I just Thor love and thunder is a title like, uh, I think set the tone for what everyone is like. What the fuck is this movie? <laughs> yes, yes. That's such a good title. It's like the title that has me most hyped too. I'm like, See, this, is, <laughs> this is how you this and Multiverse of Madness. I'm like, this is how you get me hyped for a movie with those type of titles. That's how I'm like, oh hey, what is this? 
not I just love when like superheroes lean into like yeah yeah exactly I love when superheroes like like lean into the ridiculousness of them being like superheroes like that's what I get excited about like that's why I love Shazam so much actually like Shazam and Far From Home just 2019 was like the year of like camp and like blockbusters by the way and i was like so here for it and i was just living her literal best life i really was like every blockbuster i went and seen i was like it's camp (laughs) i love it (laughs) oh man hopefully we get that in 2022 (laughs) yes Well, that was it. That was our live show today. Thank you all for listening in. Make sure to hit us up on the socials. Let us know your thoughts on everything we discussed here and what is your hype level for Loki coming out next week. It does seem kind of crazy. It's already here. It seemed like such a long way after Falcon and Winter Soldier. I was like, oh my God, we have to wait so long. And now I'm like, whoa, here it is. Okay. And then we're going to get more after Loki, too, with the movies and new shows. I'm like, wow, we have a lot of Marvel content. Yeah. Well, make sure to follow and hit up the Cinemania World Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, all of the social medias. And follow us, download, rate, and leave us a review wherever you are listening to the podcast. Hannah, do you want to let everyone know where to find you? At Rejected Hannah on Twitter. And then you can find me at LC Screen Talk on YouTube as well as Twitter and Instagram. I love you all so much for your continued support of the show. And we will talk to you next time. Bye. Oh, I gotta stop.